Welcome to the Campfire Conversation Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Kelly. Ask almost anybody who's been to summer camp, whether they be kids or staff members, and they'll tell you, it is awesome. They will also tell you through their words, but mostly through their actions, that they learn a ton while there too. As a longtime camp director, youth sport coach, and father to three growing young men, I know the lessons that we learn at camp can be hugely beneficial for all of us back home in the real world. So, each week, I'll spend some time around the digital campfire talking with professionals from inside and around the summer camp world. We'll share their lessons, their ideas, and their practices in a way that I hope will be immediately useful for your life back home. So, pull up a seat, get your marshmallow ready to roast, and let's spend some time learning together around the campfire. Few people have influenced more kids and adults in a positive, wholesome way than Mr. Fred Rogers. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, the TV show that was in millions and millions of homes around the world, brought us decency and thoughtfulness and kindness and respect in all the right ways. His example is one that we and many others in the summer camp industry do our best to follow. After watching the recent Won't You Be My Neighbor documentary, I happened to make a new friend in the summer camp world who was just as captivated with Mr. Rogers as myself. Lee Beyer was a camper, counselor, and now works full-time in the summer camp world, both as a staff member and a consultant. And she's also a mom of campers as well. The more she listened and thought about Mr. Rogers, the more she thought about camp. I couldn't agree more. So, in celebration of the upcoming Tom Hanks movie about Mr. Rogers, I thought this would be a perfect time to talk about this great human being around the campfire. I hope you'll enjoy this campfire conversation with Lee Beyer. Lee Beyer, welcome to the campfire. Well, thank you for having me tonight. I'm so happy to have you around here. So, it's, it's always fun talking with, with great camp people, and you have been a, a camp person for almost your whole life. So, h- how did it get started, and, and how are you still involved? I got started because, um, like probably many other people, I probably watched too much Parent Trap growing up, movie Parent Trap, and I thought, gosh, I want to be part of that. How do I do that? And I came from a really small town um, in central Wisconsin, and those things weren't happening. Camp was not part of our culture. Um, It wasn't readily accessible. So I talked to my mom about it, and my mom said, you know, there's a Girl Scout camp nearby. If you join the Girl Scouts, you could go to camp. And so I thought, okay, great. I was nine years old. Um, you know, I, I sold all the girls so cookies I could thinking that if you saw these girls, cookies, you'd go to camp, uh, but probably had no relationship at all. That's, you know, I was in it. I was, I wanted to, I wanted to go to camp so badly. And then I got to go to camp and I thought, wow, this is amazing. Counselors from all the world with these amazing accents being there just for me. Um, and so I did that for like five or six years. And then when I stopped doing Girl Scouts, I stopped doing camp. And I thought, gosh, you know, I want to be like those counselors. I, you know, I, I know I will never have an accent like them, but I want to <laughs> help girls the way these counselors help me. So, um, you know, they didn't have the internet back then. And that ages me. Um, but they had an ad in the newspaper looking for counselors, kitchen staff, maintenance people for this camp in northern Wisconsin. So I called them. And I talked to this amazing woman, this is Jordan, and she convinced me in about two minutes I should go there. And so the next day, I drive up to camp, I'm going up the Woodland Road, and I just feel magic. 
And I thought, this is the place for me. Um, so I started there when I was 17 years old. Um, I worked in the kitchen because I had really no skills at this camp. And, um, and then I worked my way up and I ended up becoming the waterfront director uh, and program director at, at this camp. And uh, what's special now is I go back. Um, I'm one of the full-time leadership team. Mm -hmm. And my children get to go to camp. And so we have this amazing shared experience. Awesome. So now you're full-time staff during the summer. You're a camp mom as well as as a mom of campers. Yes. Uh, Now, I think you also work with a good friend of ours, uh, Kim Aycock. I do. Um, she was my pro- she was one of the reasons why I do what I do today. Um, she was my first program director. That's uh, so yeah, so she's doing all this stuff nationally and staffing um, and helping other camps. And then I kind of took that same pathway, and mm-hmm. I get to tell camps um, their story through um, digital marketing. And so I do that in the wintertime, help out with camp, and then in the summertime, no one wants to talk about their story. That's so right. that's how I get to go to camp every summer and, uh, and, uh, and get to do camp. So, uh, yeah, so I think I have, like, the best of both worlds, and uh, I wouldn't be anywhere else. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, that's the great thing about running the, the summer camp is that, you know, we get to live our stories, you know, all summer long and just have an absolute blast with that. Um, yeah. One of the things that you and I were talking about before that has really gotten you excited lately is, is really learning more about the story of someone that we all know, you know, kind of people our age and, and certainly younger, but, you know, Mr. Fred Rogers. Of, as, yeah. And there was a documentary that came out recently that, you know, really kind of, of, of moved you. What, t- tell me about that. Yeah, so I was watching the doc. I think all camp directors around the country were watching this documentary um, because of the child development piece of it. Right. So it's, it's won't you be my neighbor, right? Won't you be my neighbor? Yes. And it starts out child development, and mm-hmm. but it is so much more. And we find out Mr. Rogers, you know, he truly cared about children. Um, you know, he always was worried about their feelings and he wanted to let know, he wanted to let children know that they were important and they mattered. Um, you know, he wanted to let every child know that they were unique and that made them special. Um, and it was just, he wanted to do that through TV and build this community of caring, um, and nurturing. And he wanted everybody to be part of his neighborhood. Um, and, uh, and I'm like, what, what other place is that? What other, what other dynamic place does that incorporate all those things? And it's camp. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's just without a doubt. When I saw the same thing, I was actually on an airplane, um, mm-hmm. you know, flying to go see some camp families, which is, you know, yeah. what I do in my off season, go around the, the country and, and parts of the world, seeing camp families. And I'm sitting there finding myself tearing up, you know, on this little bitty screen in the seat in front of yes. me. You know, listening to, to Fred Rogers and learning more about, you know, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood and, and the make-believe land and, and everything else yeah. and thinking, oh, my gosh, if he's the perfect camp director in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Absolutely. Um, you know, we think about, you know, why, why was this TV show so dynamic? Um, you know, what made it so special? And uh, the biggest thing that he did was just, you know, 
how he started and ended his show every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he started by doing the same thing every day. His routine was so important. Um, and people said, you know, why don't you change that? Why don't you do something different? And it was, you know, we all know what that, what that routine was. He took off his blazer. Mm-hmm. He put on his cardigan that his mom made him. Um, <laughs> you know, he went out, he took his shoes off and he put his, you know, his little kids on and he did that every day. Um, and the routine was really important because it helped kids feel comfortable and it made them, and it was familiar to them so that he could talk about the, they felt to me, you made him feel comfortable. He could talk about anything, um, you know, down to, you know, what it feels like when your parents um, get divorced or a friendship or, you know, many things. Um, but he put them in a spot where they felt really comfortable. They could, they could have any of those conversations. Um, and I think, gosh, you know, what other place is that? And that's camp. I mean, camp is all about routine. Right. Yeah. It's funny, you know, because a lot of us, you know, run camps that are, are choice based or some are more structured than others in terms of what they do during a program day. But, but almost every camp I've spoken to, so they have very specific beginnings and, and middles and ends to the day. So that way the kids can understand what's coming next. And because yeah. they know what's coming next and they've got that structure to you know, kind of bump up against, mm-hmm. then they're free to explore and do a lot of other things. It just makes them more comfortable. Yes, and they're less anxious. I mean, I think the thing that is happening with kids today is they're more anxious. And so to have um, the anxious piece of it um, to go away because of the familiarity and the schedule, um, I think is super important. Yeah, how do you think, I mean, because that's certainly important at camp, but it also is important at at home. Um, And I think that that's one of the most challenging things that, that we have as parents back home is that it seems like there's always, you know, a meeting here or a work requirement there or a a sports team, or there's always kind of something going There's, there seems to be less and less of the routine that I remember from growing up. And it's, I think it's our own fault because we want our kids to be involved with everything and we want to be able to helpful too. But how do you think we can, can bring some of that structure back, you know, to, to our world back home? Well, I think it's just simple as, you know, why is it important to like be your best self dressed every day and getting mm-hmm. up and making your bed and doing those type of things. Those just those little simple things. Um, I think we can take that home. I think also rituals are really important. Um, you know, rituals is what connects our family. So yeah, we have really busy days and, you know, there's all kinds of things happening. We've got to be in all these different programs and schedules and parents have meetings. Um, but to have that one time during the day where we have that same ritual like in our family, our smallest ritual is, and we all get a lullaby at the end of every night. And you're thinking, okay, that's just a simple lullaby. But for our family, it's a time where, um, you know, we're connecting with each child individually. I have three children, seven and under, mm-hmm. and we sing this lullaby. And then all of a sudden, we have this little conversation and just about the closing of our day. Um, so, you know, it can be as simple as that. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it can make a real, real difference. Um, you know, I read an article the other day about how communities are doing this, um, just having, you know, rituals and routines in a community of neighbors and um and this and this family has meatball night they invite everybody from the community every (laughs) friday night to have meatballs you can come or not it's an open invitation they just throw more meatballs in the pot whoever comes over um and where where is this because i'm you know i have nothing going on tonight it's friday uh, i don't 
know, right? I wish. Um, yeah. So it's just, and, and so it, it's connecting families. Um, mm-hmm. A simple routine like that uh, can really, you know, make a world of difference. It's really interesting. I, I, the idea of connections come up to me several times in the last, even just the last 24 hours, where there was an article in Smart Living in the New York Times talking about how families can create more face-to-face time, more connection that way without, you know, the you know the screens in front of us. Um, and then there's also a book uh, called Tribe by Sebastian Younger, or Unger, I should say, um, where he's been a reporter and embedded in different parts of the military for a number of years. And the book Tribe is all about the total need for connection. Um, and that's the one thing that we all yearn for as humans is, is the ability to connect and create. In fact, even another book, we, I just finished reading, um, Father G, uh, Greg Boyle, who runs this wonderful program in LA that, that helps uh, gang members kind of come back into the real world and, and back into the, the fold of, of, um, more more civil living, I guess you could probably say. Um, and his, his touch point is kinship. It, it's all we're all connected, and we should all be there together and sitting next to each other all the way. And that's something that certainly we do at camp. It's also something that Mr. Rogers talked about a, a ton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his um, his rituals. Um, you know, just by. Gosh, I don't even know how to describe that um, because you feel it. You see right. it. It's um, visceral. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't talk about connection. He mm-hmm. does it. Uh, right. So, right. So when you, when he meets, you know, um, the delivery man, um, Mr. McFeely, mm-hmm. uh, he shakes his hand. He mm-hmm. talks about his day and then he gets his package, right? right. He's, and he uses yeah. the name. He always yes. says, hello, Mr. or hello, Mrs. or whoever that is. Exactly. Um, so, and when he goes on a field trip, he asks them, what does it feel like to be the garbage man? You know, what does it feel like to um, go on this adventure? Um, you know, he's asking them by connecting with them, asking them those really great questions. So I think that's the way he does it. So yeah, it's not about just how, what he did. It's how he did it. It's interesting. So I was walking to the grocery store the other day with our oldest and uh, this young man who was working at the store greeted me as I walked in. Hello, welcome to the store. And you know, I looked right back at him and said, hey, thanks so much. And I saw his name. You know, his name was Carl's on his name tag. So thanks, Carl. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And my son looked at me and goes, why did you do that? Yeah. Like, well, because it was polite. And because he said hello to me first. So I want to say hello back. And modeling that is all that Mr. Rogers did the mm-hmm. entire time. That's how you're supposed to connect. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I never thought about that way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, you know, when we talk about rituals and we talk about connection, and obviously that's kind of what we do, you know, at camp, how can we help our kids in this very, what's becoming a digitally connected, but yet, you know, physically or emotionally disconnected world? How can we help our, our young people connect more you know, emotionally and socially than they're doing now with just their thumbs? Well, um, you know, I talked to my husband about this the other day is, you know, we talk about creativity and imagination and wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that Mr. Rogers did is yeah. he created a world of, it's not about just about information. It's about wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, so he always thought, he's like, what would it feel like, you know, 
let's imagine. Um, it, those are all the things that he did uh, really well. And we think about, okay, how can we do that as parents? How can we give them that sense of wonder and creativity? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in our family, we have all these packages that come in from Amazon, mm-hmm. um, right? What do you do with all these boxes? And <laughs> my children actually started going, you know, we want to make stuff out of those boxes, save those boxes. And, you know, they're, they're seven and six and five, so it's pretty easy that they still want to do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll figure out, okay, how can we make a spaceship out of this? How can we make, you know, we, we come up with all these crazy ideas. Sometimes, you know, my daughter actually just comes up with on her own. We were talking about elephants one day, and then she made an elephant of a cardboard box you know how is that but what do you do when your children are you know 13 15 when you know they Mm -hmm. don't when they really all they do care about is technology Mm -hmm. you know all they do care about um are the you know all 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 the things that are going on in the outside world and how to be more creative Mm -hmm. um yeah i I say have we ever taken them away from them just for a little while let's see what they would do uh you know and i had a friend said well you know that's when they say they're bored well the (laughs) Being bored, that's the best time that they're creative. And all of a sudden, they start seeing a different world without those things. Um, yeah. That's yeah, how, I, how I, I see it all the time, yeah. Yeah, you have to take those things away in order to create an opportunity for them to become creative. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know, Steve Baskin, who works uh, and owns and operates uh, Camp Champion down in Texas, talks about how the kids who come to his camp, and he literally uses these words with them, you are developing a superpower. You actually are able to put your phone away and not use it for two whole weeks. That's something your friends don't have yet. And, and it's funny, it's something you said, you know, all they care about. I wonder, do you think our kids, our 13, 14, 15-year-olds, really care about the technology? Or is it something else that, that, they're, that technology is giving them that they care about? Like, do you think it's, I wonder sometimes that it, it, the technology is really just a tool for the connection that they so want. Mm-hmm. And now the only way they can get it. I don't know. What do you yeah. think about that? Uh, I think that's an interesting um, question is I used to think Instagram was just a lazy form of communication, <laughs> right? That's the generation gap that right. was. I thought it was just, you know, like, okay, they're showing a picture instead of writing about it. Cause that's mm-hmm. how my generation would talk about our feelings and we would write about it. We would, you know, be creative about it. They're using Instagram. Okay, well, let's look at that. Um, we have something at our camp called National I Heart Camp Day. Mm-hmm. And we ask kids to, campers and adults, talk about their camp experience and then tag us on social media, yep. Facebook, Instagram, any way you want to do it. And there was a girl at camp who, at our camp, who has ADHD. Mm-hmm. And she's heavily medicated on this med- uh, um, because of it. And so sometimes it's hard to have a connection with her at camp. And so National I Heart Camp Day comes around. She knows about it. She's really excited about it. She posts a picture. And it basically showing all of her feelings about how she feels about camp through a single picture. Wow. And then she just writes the fewest words. And it just connects that picture to how she's feeling and who she is as a person. How creative using technology to do that. And so now I, I look at that platform completely differently mm-hmm. um, and see that that young kids, those 13, 15, 16 year old, they're, they're using it to connect with people just in a different way um, that I think is completely different and amazing that we could ever use that tool for. That's really cool. It's interesting. I had a great conversation with a gentleman named Scott Hickok, who is the director at Camp Southern Ground here in Atlanta. 
and their model um, really kind of forces in, you know, children who are, um, you know, kind of developing normally and very few challenges uh, with children that are having a really hard time with um, or have the challenges, I should say, of Asperger's or ADHD um, with other children with, with loss or children that come from you know, much different communities. And he said that that forces them to actually develop the empathy because they, they learn what it's like to live with somebody who has ADHD or who has mm-hmm. Asperger's. And that's the most important outcome that they can possibly have is building a sense of, oh, now I know more about that person and what that person is kind of going through and I can put myself in their shoes a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I think when camp is done well, does that better than almost anything else? I agree. Um, you know, that's the one thing that our camp, we teach our counselors. It's one of the biggest skills that we teach them by showing them. And when they're talking, when we ask them to talk to a camper, we ask them to get down at their eye level Mm -hmm. um, and really, and and give them that time and to really understand what they're going through. Um, I remember I talked to my, when my oldest daughter now gets to be at camp as a camper and gets to live in a cabin. And uh, it was this awe, amazing experience for us last summer. And my husband comes up to visit and I told him, I said, why don't you go ahead and walk through camp as a parent and see what she's doing? Like the amazing development you're seeing in the, in your daughter. And he walks around and he comes back and he said, you know what? I didn't see that. And I'm like, what do you mean? And, you know, like, what did you tell me what you saw? And he said, um, you know, I saw counselors caring and understanding that they want them to be so successful that kids couldn't fail because counselors want them to succeed more and did it in a really caring way. And he told me all these things about, you know, all the caring things he saw. And, um, and that to him was actually more transformative than any skill development that he saw in his daughter. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You know, that makes me think, because I see the same thing I see. And, and we, we really create a culture at camp where the staff is so focused on the kids development and uh-huh. develop and getting to where they are and helping them moving from that point. Yeah. But what if we as adults treat other adults the same way? For, for some reason, I've never made that connection until right now, but that's what Mr. Rogers was talking about. And that's what we practice at camp. What if we were to try to create a, you know, a positive feedback loop, if you will, you know, for everybody around us? Well, you know, I read this article in Forbes magazine and, um, and it, you know, the biggest, the title was, you know, what soft skill every leader needs um, to have today. Mm-hmm. I thought, ooh, that's good. I've got to like figure this out because as a person, I feel that I just want to be a better leader every day. Mm-hmm. And what what is that? What is that secret? And it, and uh, and the article is empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, to really understand how how another person lives, somebody that you're working with. Um, you know, Oprah said that uh, the reason why she gained the rapport with the guests that she had was that connection, understanding how somebody else felt. Mm-hmm. Asking them, how does it feel when somebody did that? Um, that's what made her who she was as an interviewer. Um, and uh, Simon Snack is like, when you serve other people, mm-hmm. um, that's the biggest connection you have. Who cares what you're selling? It's, you know, who, you, who are you serving? How do you, you know, 
when you're managing somebody, you know, the biggest thing is put yourself in somebody else's shoes and maybe why aren't they performing well um, instead of saying you're not performing well and understanding that. Um, so those, it's a huge soft skill um, that I think that parents aren't asking enough on how they can do that, how they can help their children through that. Because, you know, at the end of the day, that's, you know, there's, that's how they're going to be leaders. Um, I saw this other other um, episode, the CBS. Have you ever watched the CBS Sunday Morning Show? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Okay. Love it. It has like motivational stories. Um, you know, just gives you that uplifting day on, on Sunday morning. And mm-hmm. there was a story about a mother who takes her daughter to um, her job. And her job is a traveling nurse. And she goes around to um, different nursing homes. And the daughter started seeing all of her mom's patients and asked them like, oh, if you could have anything, what would you have? And these, you know, elderly people who are in these nursing homes that when you look at the video, they're not the best nursing homes in the world. And they asked for, I would love just to have fruit. I would love to, you know, have a chocolate cake that I didn't have to share with anybody. I mean, those were like the simple things. And so what did this girl do? She went ahead and found the money to buy a watermelon, to buy a chocolate cake, to buy socks, you know, special mm-hmm. socks this, they couldn't get anymore. Mm-hmm. And the look on the face when she delivered it to them was just priceless. And at the end of the day, I don't care what this girl's math scores are, what her reading level in school is. I know she's going to be a leader because she cared the way she cared for other people. Um, you, you, can't, you, you can't get that in a, you know, in a grade level test. Yeah, without a doubt. So, and one of the things we, we talk a lot about at camp is is just that, you know, learning how to get into someone else's shoes and kind of walk around with it for a little bit before you you react. We always say that, look, you, you there's a space in between cause and effect. You, know, yeah. you get to understand and what's going on and, and manipulate how you're going to respond to those situations. Um, but I think the most powerful thing in terms of learning empathy for, for our kids at camp, at least, is seeing the counselors, those near peers, those, those, those young men and women who are just a few years older, model it. Yes. Yeah. Because guess what? We're not cool. (laughs) No, parents are definitely not cool. (laughs) We're not cool. I think, I think almost in every one of your episodes I've heard is we're not cool as parents. I mean, where they're learning it from is people that are just a little bit older than them. Um, And then they see somebody care for somebody else um, and being kind, like just the act of kindness. Mm -hmm. Just them. I remember watching a counselor once saw a bunch of like just pieces of garbage from snack time. And she started picking it up. And then what happened? Campers started picking it up. And then other campers. And then you had everybody else helping in and talking about their day. And, you know, all these different things that are happening um, because she cares about her community so much that she wanted to do these things. And she modeled it for her campers. So maybe those campers one day are going to see a piece of garbage on their own and just start picking it up on their own. Yeah. All right. So then then my question is, you know, in your family and your thought process, you know, camp is fantastic for the community that we create and we create a situation where, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 year olds are really, you know, watched and, and modeled for by these young men and women who are 18, 19, 20. We don't get that most of the rest of the year, you know, unless your your child's involved with, with a sports team with a young, um, you know, a high schooler who's helping out or mm-hmm. they're doing Young Life or they're doing something where there might be a little bit of interaction there. How can we as the not cool parents um, start modeling and, and start instilling the idea of empathy most effectively in our kids. 
Oh, I think it's just, you know, <clears throat> when you, when you listen to a child, mm-hmm. like, you know, that's something that Mr. Rogers did really well is that he cared by listening. Mm-hmm. And just by doing the simple act of actively listening, you know, we mm-hmm. talk about all the things that are happening now in our children's world. My favorite time of the day is when I pick my kids up from school mm-hmm. and, you know, I ask them like, you know, so what happened? And, you know, we have these different things that we do and, and they just start telling me, I start listening. I mean, it could be anything. And, um, and I just actively listen and I say, Oh my gosh, how that make you feel? Mm-hmm. Just that simple, how that make you feel? Um, happiness, joy, sadness um we do another thing at our dinner table and this is actually from camp that we took from camp because our daughter never told us about how her day was and like gosh you know which way what how can we ask her see what's going on mm-hmm. and she um so we started this uh thing called a rose and a thorn and we don't get to eat dinner very many nights together but when we do we have what's called a rose and a thorn and part of it is you tell about what's the greatest part of your day and what was something that wasn't so great part of your day. And we all have to listen and be part of that conversation. And so you have an older child talking about this and a younger child listening. Um, you know, those are great modeling behaviors. It's just understanding how somebody's day was. And uh, so we, we do that with the rose and the thorn. And I highly, um, you know, recommend that to any parents um, who's struggling with that the way we did. And it's amazing the things that they'll say. You're like, oh my gosh, it's so finally you got a rose. Or, oh, that's awesome. Oh, sorry about that thorn, but you know, how can we turn that into a rose? So yeah, I, I, that's one of my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the day. That's fantastic. It's funny. We, we kind of take the same thing from camp as well, but it's, it's not a rose and thorn. We talk about our two happies at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's funny, you know, your kids are younger, five, six, and seven. My kids are now 11, 13, and, and almost 15. And yeah. we still do the same thing. The, the two happies that we started, you know, uh, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, and the 15 year old is like, Hey, you didn't get my happies. Like, oh, sorry, buddy. You know, so it's just really kind of funny how, you know, we always project that when the kids get older, they're not going to want to do this. When, like you said earlier, it's a ritual. This is what we do. Exactly. They they expect it. They want it. it, It's an anchor to their day. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it also kind of models, all right, I'm interested in you. What's going on here? You know, Mm -hmm. and tell me about that. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's that's really really cool. So, what else? What other things do you think that we can take from from Mr. Rogers and and from camp and kind of you know tie it all up and, and bring it into our worlds back home? Oh, I think the one thing that he said, um, you know, talk about acceptance is you mm-hmm. know he told us ever at the end of every day is you know you are special for who you are and there's no one else like you. Um, you know, it's that can do spirit, um, you know, it stills in us because we're unique. Um, and, uh, and there's something special about each one of us. And, you know, we take that into camp. Um, we have something called, you know, the I can camp. And it is about, you know, just what can we do this summer? And so talking about our camps, mm-hmm. what are our cans? What do we want to do? Um, so I think that's, I think that is, um, huge. And I think the other part that we do at camp is, you know, we find out what some things that are different from other campers mm-hmm. and then we celebrate how that is special and how that is part of the cabin group. And a lot of times the cabin mates in that cabin 
understand those differences and understand how special they are and the uniqueness that comes to the table in their cabin. Um, and they celebrate on their own. Um, so I think that is, is pretty special. Um, I don't know if you ever saw, there was a little boy that was on Mr. Rogers. Um, his name was Jeff Erlinger and he was the boy that was quadriplegic in a wheelchair. Yes. And the, and Mr. Rogers, um, wanted to show like the inclusive nature of this little boy and had him on a show. He wanted to have everybody show and he was part of it. Um, and so what the cool part of it as I researched him and did a little more and found out that he went to camp. Um, mm. This little boy, yes, he, somebody said, you should go to camp. And the mother said, well, he doesn't have a bladder and he can barely feed himself. <laughs> How could he go to camp? And this, and there was a camp in southern Wisconsin, Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, and said, "Yeah, send him to camp. We'll take him." And and this was not a camp that was set up for camps for disabilities. Um, mm -hmm. That's how close they were. And because of that experience, and Mr. Rogers, and all these different things in this world of imagination, all things you can do mm -hmm. because you are special on who you are on the inside, right? He, this little boy, goes on to be a counselor at the camp, works at the front desk at camp. Wow! And he is now turns into an activist in um, in Madison, Wisconsin, wow. and um, yeah, he made sure that. Everybody had the same rights if you were just, a, you know, if you had disabilities to yeah. access the same things like a taxi cab, getting into a restaurant, you know, all these different things. And he yeah. advocated for it. Um, he didn't have a long life, but he had a meaningful life. Um, yeah. And Madison is better for it. That's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, and I think that the... You know, the idea of ending every day and eating every episode with Mr. Rogers saying, you know, you're special. And mm -hmm. looking in the camera and making eye contact, you know, through the lens with each you know, person who is, is watching the show. Mm -hmm. You know, I think because he spent the entire episode demonstrating that every person that came into his realm, his world, whether it was, you know, real life or, or in, you know, make believe, he treated each one of those people with the same amount of respect and and specialness and uniqueness so that when all of a sudden he turns and looks at the camera looking at you you believe it because you've seen it the entire time and you've seen it every show that consistency was just incredible yeah, yeah and people you know people asked um this uh reporter that did a, a special on him and esquire a long time ago they said you know what is he like off camera and he was ready to be like oh, he's this kind of guy or this kind of, you know, right. he had skepticism in this interview. And he said, no, this guy, Mr. Rogers, is even better off camera. Wow. Like, he is not just, he's so authentic that he's even better. Like, the time that you get to spend with Mr. Rogers, you start rethinking on how you want to live your life in the future um, to be better um, because of the time, even if it's just a small amount of time because you were with Mr. Rogers. Um, so yeah, you know, I think about that, um, a lot lately as, you know, my children are getting older and the person I want to be mm -hmm. and, um, and at camp, um, you know, I was special enough to have somebody like that in my life. And, um, it was the owner of the camp I started and his name is Mr. Jordan. And he was just 
I mean, Takuro got, he started from this camp from nothing and he had every childhood illness. Um, so he had these glasses that were three inches thick. He had canes because he had polio. By the time, you know, that, yeah, by the time I met him, he was in a wheelchair. Um, but it was always about what he always talked about what he could do. I never knew he could do anything. Um, <laughs> you know, like, right. I, I thought he was seven feet tall and he was in a wheelchair. You right. know I mean? That's the, I was lucky enough to have somebody like that um, in my life. That was that authentic. Um, so yeah, he was a pretty special person. Yeah. It makes me think more and more that who we choose to surround ourselves with and who we, you know, kind of, curate in some ways to surround around our children you know that's the most important part it goes back to what we talk about all the time in, in, in camping is that it's all about the people yeah. um, and and that's the same just as much as it is a campus as the school room as it is your your you know yeah. the kids who come over to visit your house or whose kids your kids go over to visit yeah. you know that's the absolutely the most important part about it so well lee thank you so much you know for spending some time with me today and talking about mr rogers and camp two of my favorite things Exactly. Um, it's certainly a thing that you know we can learn a lot from and uh, from from both those realms and, mm-hmm. and hopefully become you know better able to lead our young people um, in, in the ways that you know mr. Rogers would would have us do which is treat everybody with respect and, and that knowing that each one of us are, have our own special gifts exactly so now you forgot to ask me one question what's that everybody is what resource yes our parents right? Yes. Um, I think the one thing that we should do is everybody should read the book, um, The Good Neighbor by Maxwell King. And it really talks about the life and times of Mr. Rogers. I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh, it's like made the bestseller, national bestseller list the first week it came out. And it's an amazing compilation of how Mr. Rogers became Mr. Rogers and who he wanted to be and how he wanted to develop young children's minds. Um, and it's just incredible and it's inspirational. And at the end of the day, you think, okay, how can I take all those things and incorporate into being an amazing person and an amazing parent? So, um, I highly recommend the book. Well, that, that's going to be one of my next books. Uh, I gotta, I gotta get that one. (laughs) (laughs) That is fantastic. Awesome. Well, Lee, thanks again so much. I really appreciate it. And unfortunately, the, the digital campfire is kind of winding down here. We got to get back at it. But I appreciate you taking some time to spend with me around the campfire. Thank you for having me. Awesome. I'm sure you've got some of your own memories from Mr. Rogers. And if you don't, please take some time to learn more about him. Creating a safe space for creativity and imagination for children and adults is a really worthy aim as is the desire to instill neighborliness, kindness, and respect towards all. These are aspects of humanity that every great summer camp teaches and values that we as parents and teachers, coaches, leaders, and followers should continue to support while working and playing and learning and laughing with all those around us. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you found this conversation useful, I'd ask you to do two things. First, please pass it along to a friend. The lessons of summer camp can be applied to so much in the real world, and our campfire circle is large enough for everyone to join. Secondly, please leave a review on whichever podcast service you use. More good reviews helps these ideas spread. Well, that's enough for today. Until we talk again, go out there and be a good neighbor. Thanks again to our friends at Scope for sponsoring the Campfire Conversation podcast. 
SCOPE stands for Summer Camp Opportunities Promote Education. They provide children from underserved communities with life-changing opportunities through the experience of summer camp. SCOPE campers benefit from a positive, safe, and healthy environment led by excellent role models who give them the chance to develop their full potential. We both believe that summer camp reinforces what children learn in school and enhances overall academic learning. If you would like to help give some wonderful children a life-changing experience, I hope you'll join me in supporting SCOPE. You can find them online at scopeusa.org and on social media at support SCOPE.